0: We are at the end of our book of James, this is the last week in our series, The Awakening, and today what we're doing is we are brought to the crossroads. And at this crossroads, what we find is that people have been chased down by the wolf of sickness suffering and sin the shame and the guilt of sin and there we're brought at the crossroads they're brought to this crossroads and there they've got to make a decision will they run to God and trust him with what's going on or are they going to run away and will they have a friend who will chase them down into the wilderness where they're running and bring them back to God that's what we're talking about here's our verses James 5 verses 19 through 20 my brothers if anyone among you wanders from the truth and brings him back let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins now these verses are hard to make sense of and they're hard to make sense of because they seem to contradict a hallmark part of the Christian faith. This hallmark part where God is like a mother who will chase down her child, where we are told that God will never leave us or forsake us. Yet what we see in these verses is that it seems if there is a sheep who wanders away from the shepherd, if they don't return back, then they run off into the wilderness And into a death that they cannot come out of. So the question is, does God leave us or forsake us? Is he a good shepherd or not? And to answer this, and to make sense of these verses, here's what I think we have to do. We have to first keep in mind what was said last week. James is looking very closely at those who are suffering those who are sick, and those who are being plagued by guilt and shame. And I'm going to tell you this, I'll be honest with you, I have three commentaries that I look at in the book of James, and they're all very good, but they shy away from dealing with what this verse is saying because it's hard to make sense of. And I'm going to go for it because I think I've got the answer. And here it is. James as a whole, we've got to look at this book as a whole, and what we find is that everything he's been saying has been coming up to this point, up to this crossroads where we are brought to. And he's been saying that we're going to go through sickness, suffering, and sin. And when we do, he says we must have endurance and steadfastness. And here's what he means by that, that we have to take our faith that we have And when we feel like God is gone in the midst of suffering and sickness and the shame of sin, we have to take our faith and bring it into the present. We have to take our faith and apply it to every single part of life, especially suffering, sickness, and guilt and shame. And so what James is getting at is that there is a test happening when you experience suffering, sickness, and sin. And that test is there to reveal what your faith is in. And so the great test is when you get to the crossroads, and you've been chased to the crossroads by the wolves of suffering, sickness, and sin, what will you do? Will you run to Him, or will you run away from Him? And whatever you do reveals what you actually believe. There's a lot of Bible verses that talk about this kind of thing. It says, make your calling and election sure. There's another verse that says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, many people will say, look, all, if you want to become a Christian, here's what you do. Pray a prayer. Believe the pr- well, Just pray the prayer. And then you're a Christian. It's very easy to pray something and not actually believe what you're praying. So how do you know if you believe? depends. How do you respond when the wolves of suffering, sickness, and sin have chased you to the crossroads? Are you running to God in the midst of the suffering? Are you running to him knowing that he's your only shot for strength to get through it? Same thing with sickness. When you are plagued by guilt and shame, are you running to him or are you so plagued by that guilt and shame where you can't look at yourself in the mirror and you can't even look at him and so what's the first thing you do? You run away from him. Jesus as a shepherd is a theme that runs through the entire Bible. And sometimes sheep take advantage of being in the sheepfold without actually knowing the shepherd. The sheep are following after other sheep, but not actually following after the shepherd. They don't know his voice. They've heard all about him. They've heard about how great he is, how wonderful he is. He's brave, he's courageous, and he will not let anything happen to you. And he's gracious, and he's loving, and he's merciful. And all of those things sound wonderful to the sheep until suffering, sickness, and sin come. And they, the sheep says to the other sheep, I thought you said he was good. And the other sheep say he is. You have to just go to him. And that sheep says, there's no way. If he's let this happen to me, there's no way I can trust him. And so I am out of here. And so they run and wander. So the sheep leaves. Because the sheep never really knew the shepherd, they were a wanderer within the sheepfold. That sheep never put his or her faith in him. And that is revealed when the test came. The sheep was always lost. It's very possible for someone to grow up in the church their entire life, know everything there is to know about Christianity, act like a Christian, look like a Christian, go to church every Sunday, but never really know the shepherd. And when sickness, suffering, and a mean awareness of your sin comes, they run away. The question is this. Have you made your faith your own? Or is it your parent's faith? Is it your friend's faith? Is it your significant other's faith? There's another common theme that happens. Someone grows up in the church, they go to college, they maybe kind of walk away from the church, or they become a young adult and they they leave the church because the church isn't relevant or for whatever reason. And then they have a kid. And they say, oh my goodness, we got to get back to the church. And so they come running back into the church so that their kid will know their faith. However, it could very well be that people left the church because they didn't see the church as irrelevant because they really didn't think that Jesus was there in the church. and They didn't really believe that Jesus died for the church and the church is important. And the church is where you meet Jesus. But they come back. So it could be, that they too need to make their faith their own. So if you're wondering if you're a Christian or not, here's the question. How do you respond? When the wolves of sickness, suffering, and sin come, biting at your feet, which way do you go? If you ran to Christ, you're a Christian. If you don't, well, then you have something to work out with Christ. And, and maybe you're saying, well, I haven't really actually experienced a lot of trials in my life. I haven't suffered. I haven't had a major sickness. Well, that's easy. How do you feel about your sin? Do you feel, have you seen how despicable, I know this is going to sound harsh, how despicable you are when you've looked at your sin? And do you see your sin as Vile. And have you felt deep guilt and shame? Now, I'm going to tell you, the psychologists, a lot of them would say, David, you shouldn't be saying this to people right now. Because guilt and shame will really mess people up. And it's very true, it will. Unless it drives you to the shepherd. And if your guilt and shame drive you to the shepherd, do you know what then happens? It's like somehow in this weird way, this awareness of your sin makes the awareness worth it because it's driven you to your sweet Savior. And you wouldn't trade anything to be with Him. When you finally approach the Good Shepherd, you find forgiveness. And you are able to stare the worst of your sin. You stare it right in the face. Because there behind it, you see the smiling shepherd who's done whatever it takes to deal with your sin. And that makes it all the more worth it to just run to him. So, you could be a wanderer in the sheepfold. And at some point, you have to go to him. And the truth is that many people reject Christianity without ever meeting the shepherd. So they're rejecting something and someone they don't understand at all and it's tragic and those who haven't met him when the sickness suffering and sin comes it makes sense that they run because they don't think he can help them they don't think that he is good and you know what they're so ripe to meet him and they're so ready to meet him but it's so painful and they don't think he's going to help and so they run away and where are they going they're going to find some other shepherd that they think will alleviate the pain Maybe it's a career. Maybe it's something to distract them from the sickness or the suffering. It could be anything. The point is, they're looking for a good shepherd, and they don't think Jesus is it, but they're so ripe and ready to meet him. I do need to say something here. It does seem that in order to be found, you have to get lost. And every Christian understands that they were once lost and now been found. And so the kid who does grow up in the church at some point has to know what it feels like to be lost. And if they don't know what it feels like to be lost, then they never know what it feels like to be found. And so they never actually end up meeting the shepherd. Because in order to meet the shepherd, you have to meet him while you are lost. Otherwise, you never truly meet him. So why do people wander? Well, they're looking, after, they're looking for the good shepherd. So why, why didn't they just go and meet him while they were in the sheepfold? Because by nature, we are wandering stubborn sheep. And by nature, he is the relentlessly pursuing shepherd. So that's how you meet him. To find him without knowing you are lost is to never meet him at all. So, what people are doing when they grow up in the church and they leave it is they're just seeking after a shepherd, desperate to find one. Desperate. They just don't know he was there the whole time. And when you see someone who's doing that, what do you do? Well, you have to be a brave sheep. And you have to follow your friend out into the wilderness, into the danger where the wolves are biting at your heels. And you follow them into the sickness and the suffering and the shame and the guilt that they feel. And you follow them with all of your might, like a good friend. And then you say, well, wait, aren't I leaving the shepherd if I do that? No way. Because do you know what the promise is? It's true. He will never leave you or forsake you. And so if you go off running after a lost sheep, he's going to run after you because you're doing something that he would be doing himself. In fact, by following after your friend, you're likely following after him because he's probably already taken off after them. And one of the most fascinating things is that the Pharisees this devout group of religious leaders of Jesus' day, they were obsessed with being holy. They did everything they could to be holy. They created all of these laws that would help them reach more holiness. Only the problem is, in their pursuit of holiness, they did one of the most unholy things that you can do. Neglect the lost sheep. They had this rule that they wouldn't eat with people that they called sinners. Because they felt if they ate with them, they would become unholy. Because having a meal with someone, especially during that time, was very personal. Sign of friendship. And... They felt if they had a meal with these people, they themselves would become unholy. And that's why they were so angry at Jesus all the time. Because he had this grand following, and he spent all of his time eating with sinners. They hated him for it. In fact, they said, you are a friend of sinners. And then he tells them a story of a shepherd who's pursuing the one lost sheep, leaving the 99 behind to go find the one. He loves wanderers. And he didn't see these wanderers as making him unholy, but as him being a good shepherd that gave them some hope. And one of the biggest problems of Christians today is we act like those Pharisees. We see people who have wandered off and we feel like we can't associate with them. Well, because we don't understand them, they make us feel uncomfortable. We don't get them or we feel like we need to fix them or maybe they're going to make us a bit unholy. One of the most holy things we could do is go running after them because that is what our shepherd does. Not in a way to fix them, but in a way to really love them. And there's something that some Christians do where they do go and pursue wanderers. Only they do it in a very sleazy Christian salesman type thing. And here's what they do. That's funny, I know. Here's what they do. They prowl around at the gym or at the malls or in grocery stores trying to strike up conversations with people. And they're so nice. And as they do this, they're just looking for ways to just all of a sudden start talking about Jesus. And they don't really care about those people that they're talking to. They want another notch in their belt because for some reason out of their selfishness, they feel like if they do this, they can feel better about themselves. They're just acting like another type of Pharisee. If you chase someone down, do you know what you're doing with them? Like Jesus, you're having a meal with them. And you're walking beside them. And when they come to the crossroads of sickness, suffering, and guilt, and shame, you're there having a meal with them. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that people wanting to talk about Jesus is a, is a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's the motive behind it. And people can see right through that motive. Jesus, The people that Jesus chased after always felt treasured never felt like someone was talking to them so they could get to something else. In the Old Testament, one of the most despicable things in the eyes of God were these, what he called, shepherds that neglected their sheep. They were the religious leaders that were neglecting the lost sheep. And what what James does here is he takes this idea, you ready for this? He takes this idea that leaders are the shepherds, and now he changes it to every sheep that has been found by the shepherd is now a shepherd themselves. Makes every Christian a shepherd. So yes, my calling, if you go running, is to chase you down. But my greater calling is to equip all of us in the church To be good shepherds who will go and chase after our friends when they feel like there's no way God could love them. There's no way God has anything to offer them and they've just given up on God. We go running after. When your friends are crying like that, you go run and get them. James sees every sheep as a shepherd themselves. And I'm going to tell you something. The world needs more good shepherds. And if you aren't acting like a shepherd, then you are acting like a lost sheep. Because sheep follow their shepherd. And their shepherd is chasing after the lost sheep. And that just simply means you're a good friend to your friends. It means you have a meal with them. It's a... it's a it's very... the Bible's screaming at you to just have some meals with your friends and to make that a thing, and to make this a thing of a way that you are showing your friends that you love them, and a way to enjoy your friends, in a way that to like, know what friendship is. Just eat together. And when you do, and when your friends are at that crossroads and you're sharing the meal of life together, you're continually... Telling them about the good shepherd. The same way a sheep tells another sheep about the shepherd. The same way one beggar tells another beggar where to find food. So that when they're at the crossroads. And they have run. When the shepherd comes and pounces on them. Because that's what he does. That's what a shepherd does to the sheep. They will recognize who he is. Because you've already told him he's coming for you and he's going to pounce on you. And then when he does, they will know who he is. And they will turn to him and they will say, you were following me the whole time, weren't you? And he would say, yes. And they would say, you were there back when I, before I left the church, weren't you? And he would say, yes. And he would say, but it's okay because you're a stubborn wandering sheep like all the others. And I'm a shepherd who loves to pursue you. And I love it because as soon as I wrestle you to the ground and pick you up, you can see my smiling face and you can know that I love you and I'll do whatever it takes to get you. And Jesus wants us to be part of that. It seems that Jesus loves working with his people when they act as shepherds. In fact, it seems to be a command, almost like, If you don't do it, then it's not going to happen. But then he still seems to do it anyways. And you need to know that your friends will die without a shepherd. Sheep die without a shepherd. They give up. Eventually, they're just there alone in the wilderness, and the wolves come for them. And what your job is, is to help fend off the wolves until the shepherd gets there. God loves to work with his people when they act as shepherds. Romans 10, listen to this. Romans ten thirteen. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then are they to call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. The feet of shepherds are beautifully ugly. They are cracked, they are dirty, and they are worn out and they are bruised because they have made the sacrifices that are necessary to go chase down their lost sheep. So good friends, have bruised and battered and broken and cracked feet because they have made the sacrifices that have been needed to be made to follow out their friends wherever they go. And I know a lot of you are saying right now, well, I don't know how to preach. And it's talking about what I'm doing right now, yes. And it's talking also about shepherds. Little shepherds telling other, sheep telling other sheep about the good shepherd. It's talking also about beggars telling another beggar where to find food. And you say, well, I don't know how to do that either. Okay, well, go learn. And the only way you're honestly going to go learn is by pursuing your friends and loving them. Let your love for them compel you to go and to learn. The job of the church is to equip you to be a good shepherd to your friends, yes. But at some point, you've just got to go do it, knowing that you're never going to be equipped enough. But along the way, you have to trust that the good shepherd is right there with you. And when the time is right, he's going to pounce on your friend. As they wrestle with him. As they wrestle with him, you're telling them, it's him, it's him, it's him. So in the story of Jacob, in the Bible, Jacob's name is changed to Israel. Israel. And Israel literally means wrestles with God. And it's interesting that God would then name the rest of his people Israel, meaning I know you and I know my people and all of you will be wrestling with me. That's the way that you are. You're like a stubborn lost sheep. Your story is the story of one who wrestles it out with God. And as you struggle through the sickness and the suffering and the guilt and shame in your life, you're gonna wrestle with God, and you should. That's what, is, that's what Jacob did. He wrestled with God, but he knew eventually who it was that he was wrestling with. And that is the key. You don't run from him. You wrestle it out with him, knowing who he is and knowing that eventually he's gonna bless you with the strength to face the suffering that's before you and the sickness that is before you. And he's gonna give you this overwhelming grace that's going to make you be able to face your guilt and shame and know that he loves you still. Jesus is the one who chased Jacob down. He's the one who chased Israel down, a whole nation, and he's the one who has chased you down. And he's left his home in heaven as the king to come here and be the shepherd king. And he's chased you all the way to the ends of the earth into the pit of death. And there he looked down and saw you and he entered into that death with you. And then in that death, like a good shepherd, he lifted you up out of it. Only as he lifted you up out of it, the wolf of death bit him. And he was attacked and swallowed up as he freed you from death but there inside of death he fought still for you. Out of love for you and love for his father, he fought against the great beast of death and he won and he broke up out of death so he can be with you now, wherever it is that you go. And because that is true, you now go and be a brave sheep, Helping your friends face the wolves of suffering, sickness, and guilt, and shame. Walking through, with them through the dangers, knowing that the shepherd is with you. And eventually, he'll pounce on your friend too. To be a good friend is to fight for your friends. So let's fight for our friends. Father, we love you. And we thank you that you have sent us your son, the great shepherd who has come for us to fight for us, to die for us, to lay down his life for us so that we might live, so that we can stare the wolf of death, the wolf of suffering and sickness and shame, we can stare that wolf right in the eyes and not be fearful or scared because you, our shepherd, are with us. So help us be brave, And help us fight for our friends. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.